Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. fanatics welcome to another edition of the bulletproof podcast chris the brain and chad cruz with you and chad we have been celebrating eight years of bulletproof action all month long and this is the end of our month-long celebration yeah i I know that we've been celebrating i'm not certain that everyone else is celebrating i feel like there's some uh, mourning that we're still in existence but uh yeah an absolute celebration for us yeah, as, as this one drops, we have officially hit the eight-year mark, which is, at times it feels like yesterday, at times it feels like a hundred years ago that we did this, or started this whole thing. Um, but uh, yeah, so thank you for everybody who has supported the site, and of course now the podcast as well. And somebody who has supported the site from the very early years is our very special guest for this episode. I'm talking about actor wrestler movie fanatic the one and the only paul london welcome to the show paul it is a true honor gentlemen congratulations on the strong very strong impactful eight years it's a real treat thank you guys for having me on well it's been a long time coming but we're glad you're here and we've picked a wonderful film to discuss with you uh but before we get into that of course i want to tell Everybody, we've just talked about it. For eight years now, BulletproofAction.com has been giving you action content. The archive is very impressive, Chad Cruz, at this point. It's thick. Yeah, it's thick it, with uh, with content. <laughs> yeah, it is. You better believe girthy. it is. It's girthy. It's a girthy action movie site and one that will satisfy your needs. Can we say that? Oh, yeah. That, that's, uh, that's thick with two C's, right? That's, you better believe it. Okay. So we've we've got that going for us. And, uh, you know, so yeah, BulletproofAction.com. And, of course, follow us on social media, at BulletproofPod on Twitter and at BulletproofAction on Facebook and Instagram. And before we, well, you know, let's just get right into it. I'll take a break when I damn well want to. Nobody oh, tells wow. me when to take a break because we're here and PL, if I may call you PL. Absolutely. We're talking about Showdown. Yeah. The Billy Blanks classic that was released on September 17th, 1993, directed by Robert Radler, who did a, a series of great films, including the first two Best of the Best movies, which I know you're a big fan of, P.L. Oh, absolutely. I grew up on Best of the Best. Um, I think I despised Walter just as much as anybody. <laughs> um, so, you know, anytime you had a chance to yell to your friend, Pop it, Tommy, pop it. Um, yeah, best of the best. That's the ultimate karate movie as a kid. It's safe. I don't think there's really too many cuss words in there besides. Uh... Did, did we lose you? 
I think we he's cussed we himself. Him. He's cussed oh, himself boy. right out of, of the conversation. He's been censored. <laughs> yeah, we. Uh, he. Well, I think what he's trying to say is it's it's one of those movies that you kind of uh, you're able to watch with or without a family because it's got great action in it and it's also got some uh, some some good family values and American values to it and and you know we have to thank for that we have Robert Radler. Yeah, and that's kind of you could kind of put Showdown in that same category because this is certainly not uh, uh, too spicy, as they no. say. Um, nothing uh, too gratuitous, or, or you know, it's high school kids. First of all, so it probably shouldn't be. Right, I mean, they're not really high school kids. And it's, it's, <laughs> it, it's movie match. Oh, PL, you're back. Oh, okay, I, I am back. I wasn't sure what happened. Yeah, I think it was. Sorry. I was about to. I was about to say the one cuss word. And showdown, yeah. I think it's needle dick. <laughs> oh no! Yeah, needle dick indeed. Yeah, we don't tolerate fucking swearing on this program, PL. And you'll oh. get the fuck off right as soon no. as you do it. Please, no, no god, god damn it, no, please. No, no. So yeah, needle dick is used. That's thrown around quite liberally here in, uh, in this movie. But it's a receipt. A yeah. It is. Yeah, you want to call me needle dick? Well, guess what, needle dick? You're getting it right back. That's right. When you when you when you look at Robert Radler's uh, filmography, he he did the two best of the best films, the first two, and then he did Showdown, and then he did an episode of Sweet Valley High. <laughs> so I'm not sure what happened. I don't really get what happened there. He knew high school, maybe. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, wasn't this was it Pleasant Valley High? Is that where they shot all this? Yeah, something like that. Something like I that, right? Suburb yeah. of Phoenix. And it was not a, an active school at the time that they shot it there. No. I do re- recall that. Uh, from my 10 things that you didn't know about Showdown, which, again, right. another cheap plug for BulletproofAction.com. Let's, oh, yeah. get into the, let's get into the movie. We start off, we see two cops. We've got Spinelli, played by Mike Genovese, who has almost always plays a cop. Although he's in Best of the Best, too, as one of the bad guys. He's one yeah. of the henchmen. Yeah, you're right, he is. Um, and I just saw that one, so that was fresh on my mind. Um, and then we have Billy Grant, played conveniently by Billy Blanks. Uh, <laughs> and we find out that Billy doesn't like guns, and that's uh, an odd trait for a cop to have, Chad Cruz. Yeah, I don't know how much work he'd get these days as a as a law enforcement officer, uh, not being a fan of guns. But, you know... For this time, for 1993, maybe it was uh, maybe it was a fitting way to do it. And if you could fight like Billy Grant can, maybe you don't need a gun all that often. I mean, I think it's a great little character trait too, right off the bat. You know, he's just as pure a babyface as possible, right? Because most cops they they live for their guns, right? They they're looking for any excuse to use them and point them at people, and uh, yeah. So Billy's immediate baby face. What if they had asked him, what if uh, Spinelli had said, Billy, you don't like guns. What do you like? And he was like, punching Tupperware. <laughs> what? That's what he does later. Yeah. We're, we're just spoiling this whole movie in the first few minutes of this show. That's fine. So there's a, there's a disturbance call. There's, yes. a, there's a wild, raucous party going on. Have you ever had uh, the cops called on any party you were at, uh, Paul? Uh, I, I'm pretty sure I have. I, nothing specific in memory. I think at the time I might have been too fucked up to remember. Uh, <laughs> but 
you know, I, for the most part, I've stayed clear of police interaction. That's good. Yeah. I'm like a lot of wrestlers out there that you see in the news getting pulled over <laughs> and uh-huh. doing uh, breathalyzer tests and field sobriety tests. Anyways, yeah, <laughs> I don't like cops. Try to stay away from them. So guess who's at this party, though? It's Lee, the one and only Patrick Kilpatrick. I don't know what he's doing at this party with teenagers. Uh, I guess, And his little brother doesn't even seem like he's that young, uh, Max. Yeah, he's got a great, great head of hair, though. Yeah, he does. And they're causing a ruckus. And there's underage drinking going on, so there's you know, neighbors are complaining. There's property damage. People are backing over motorcycles. and There's a lot going on at this house. There's Pringles. I was going to say, that one oh, girl that has is... a death grip on that Pringles can when, when we're about to see what happens. So Spinelli and, and Grant show up. Spinelli stays outside to clean up that mess. Billy goes inside, gets in this scuffle with Lee. Max is... In between, he gets shoved, hits his head on the steps. He's dead, and there's a girl standing there with a death grip on a Pringles can. Oh, and she's plus size, too. She looks like she just came from uh, Torrid to get that uh, party dress. And yeah, the Pringles, for some reason, always stands out to me in this scene. Aside from also early on, I think Billy. Uh, he knows one of the party kids outside, right? It's like, hello, Officer Grant, or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. At least had, he's, he's had a run-in with him. Be- well, yeah, I don't know. He's, just, he's popular. I think he's one of those cops that the kids hoped to run into because yeah, they knew like, that they could talk their way out of it, or he'd be more sympathetic. You know, he's he's the one shooting hoops with him outside stuff. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know th- this this interaction though inside the house it escalates quickly. It does. Because cause he's like, hey, stop part, you know, stop all this ruckus. And then Lee is shouting, shoot him. <laughs> yeah, right off the bat. Yeah, right off the bat. He, well, it's, it's some, it features some pretty cool uh, fighting techniques for a party, too. I mean, you're smashing a bottle on a guy's head. I think we've lost PL again. We Every lost time him he, again. he starts talking violence or swear words, we lose him. <laughs> All right, we'll move on. He'll be back. Um, so, yeah, this whole thing happens. We got a dead kid. So Billy's shook up about this, as you would imagine yeah. he would be. So they're back at police headquarters. We see Spinelli in the shower, which was dangerously close to seeing way more Spinelli than anyone asked for. I, that was strange, but he it's pretty clear in the video I've watched that he's got underwear on. Did anybody else notice that? <laughs> I don't think it, I noticed that on the, uh, well, maybe you have the, uh, I zoomed in, you know, what you, I'm saying? you probably zoomed in, <laughs> but you may also have had the, I don't know. I have maybe the, a different aspect ratio on the Blu-ray as opposed to the YouTube yeah, upload. That, Could yeah. be. Are we talking about Spinelli's, uh, <laughs> Spinelli? Yeah. His jocks. His little Spinelli. Deal. <laughs> yeah. I love that transition. I mean, you're basically gone from dead kid to Spinelli's <laughs> near nutsack. <laughs> He's just got this girth, and the camera's just an inch below that, and you're just like, fuck. Yeah, that was like a, a Robert Rad- Radler sneeze away from getting a good shot at that thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, well. I That's love awesome. this. Well, that scene also before, sorry. I love when he goes, where are you going to go, man? <laughs> it's so good. 
away from your naked ass is where he's going to go. <laughs> so, yeah, Billy walks away. Police life ain't for him. And we really don't know what happens to Billy at that point. We just He's done. Is he done in the movie? Probably not. You know, that reminds so, me of a time, sorry, before I forget, I went to an old uh, XWF show in Lubbock. This was, man, I can't, 2001 or something. And I had been invited by Terry Funk up to the show, and I wasn't able to get on the show myself. But, you know, I went backstage, and he was like, let me talk to you for a second. And he had just gone out of the shower, and it was very Spinelli-esque because he didn't <laughs> he didn't cover up or anything. He just kind of sat there, and I was like, just trying not to look at his, you know, his little his, funker. Yeah, his weathered funker. <laughs> and uh, but you know, I'm trying to be respectful at the same time. So that that was that was my Spinelli moment. See, I think the respectful thing is to comment on it. You know, hey, that's a. That's a good-looking thing you got there. That's a good point. If they're not going to cover up, you know, maybe it's maybe pretty. Maybe they're look- yeah, they're looking for feedback. Yeah. Yeah, that, man. I should have said something. Just slip it in there. Hey, good dick, by the way. Anyways. Yeah. Uh... Give them the old OJ. Are you going to trim that up? Make it preservable? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's something else. <laughs> And we're off the rails. And Ken Marks, we're gonna we gotta meet our main star, Ken Marks, played by, <laughs> played by Ken Scott. That's two N's and Ken. Uh, it's his first day at his new high school, um, and what a time to to switch schools halfway through his senior year. What a poor poor timing. And they go from Kansas, right, to Arizona because that's where the work is. But apparently it isn't because his mom's having a heck of a time finding a job there. But well, she didn't do the research brain. She just assumed there would be jobs there. Yeah. yeah, well, yeah. You know, there was a, there was an internet like there is now where yeah. she could have checked out a multitude of sites to find where the work is. So, well, that's his excuse, isn't it? That's his mom had to go where the work was. And apparently the, uh, the plethora of graveyard shift waitresses, for Waffle Houses in Phoenix. A lot of, a lot of truck driving coming to there, I guess. Yeah. You know, it's it's tough, too, because Ken is you know, halfway through his senior year, and he's got to be, what, 32 or so? <laughs> right. At this point. <laughs> <laughs> he's confused because he shows up on – I mean, that, that whole campus, to me, struck me as a community college. I've yeah. never seen a high school that – spread out with different buildings it was just i mean it was a massive well that auditorium that we get into later yeah. it's like that's like a professional theater what's going on there yeah you're right right but yeah he gets dropped off in the in the dirty wood panel station wagon pretty <laughs> sweet ride yeah very griswold-esque uh station wagon the mom with the poofy shoulders very stereotypical mom yelling at him wanting a kiss it reminds me of my mom, actually. She used to make me the lunch bags with the brown paper bags, and she would draw caricatures or something on them. Uh, but she had to ask for a kiss, and I'd headbutt her. <laughs> Not a chance. <laughs> Did she give you a thermos, though, or were you to fend for yourself? Or was there a Capri Sun in that? Uh... Yeah, Capri Sun or Ecto Cooler. Ooh. You know... It was just kind of rotated. 
<laughs> Ken doesn't get the warmest of welcome. People are making fun of his jacket. Um, and there's other kids there. You just out in the open have a gun. Another yeah. one with a kill yourself sweatshirt on. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of a rough crowd. A very mixed crowd, too, right? I think. It... Oh, damn it. More gems have been lost. But yes, we've lost PL again, but he'll be back again, as we said. He's the intrepid traveler. He goes in and out of dimensions, I think. So I think so. We've got the the kids. And then he meets the one and only Brian James, who played vice principal, not president, as I have in the... Uh, <laughs> although I would like to have Brian James as the vice president. Yeah. It wouldn't he, be a, he, couldn't be I'm, any worse. I mean, he's dead right now, so... Well, I'm saying in his day. Oh, okay. Uh, so, yeah, vice principal Kowalski uh, happens upon Ken. And to his credit, I mean, he must have a like, photographic memory of every student in that school because he's like oh you're the new kid yeah just out of this <laughs> massive crowd of human beings he's like i have never seen you before i heard we had a new kid coming putting two two together you're it and he was correct <laughs> i think that's the the vice principal's job is to like know everybody know you know who the troublemakers are and to uh you know punish them as as seen as he sees fit he, he's all over and, and from what i understand his role was supposed to be much smaller but he did such a great job. They just kept giving him scenes, which no, com- I won't complain about more Brian James in a movie ever. No. I mean, that means they probably shot all his scenes in one day, two days. He has one of the best lines as well when he's like, "Hey, meathead, did your parents have any kids that lived?" <laughs> I, he reminds me. Some we had this uh, uh, near where I work. We have this school. It's in you know inner city. We go in there for fire alarms a lot, and the uh, the principal there, uh, we have a running joke about this guy because he just screams at his students all day long, <laughs> and it's always it's always the same thing: pull your pants up, take your hood off, pull your pants up, take your hood off, and he just does it all day long. And, and basically, he's Brian James in real life. Oh, that's great! I would love for him to be our vice president or principal. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. So now Ken gets into the school, and things are getting even worse because he thinks he hears gunshots. So he hits the deck, makes a total fool of himself in front of everybody. But then, P.L., he looks up. That's and right. He sees her. A vision of beauty. He's like, weren't you in Hey Dude? <laughs> I believe also filmed in Arizona. Um, yeah, Julie, the the siren julie who really is more trouble than she's worth uh, yes and uh, yes we got a we get a roller coaster of of love in this uh, movie yeah uh, and it, it here's where it starts um now we got to meet tom the mysterious ken mcleod and i know pl oh. you have actually considered hiring a private investigator to find out whatever happened to this man i mean it just should have really broken out and been a much bigger, more recognizable star on the level of a Don the Dragon Wilson or Lorenzo Lamas, but in my opinion, had a lot more charisma. And I think Showdown in particular is where he really got to show his range in terms of personality. I mean, this is a guy that went from playing a college freshman <laughs> three or four years prior to this. Yep. Actually, and now he's a high school senior at thirty-five. But I, but I, you know, he 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 showed a lot of he showed a lot of uh, it just 
his personality. I think he's obviously a much better heel as a babyface. Yeah, yeah. He he's easily the standout in the in the film. I mean, even Billy Blanks can't act for shit. But right. He could tie bow the hell out of your ass, though. I got well, news for I, you. I, he probably could most most definitely. But uh, when it comes to acting, my God, he's he's never been good. Yeah, there's probably a reason he was named Billy in this movie. <laughs> and I mean, he. Ken McLeod uh, is a Chuck. He, I guess he got his black belt from Chuck Norris. He came hey, from Minnesota yes. and uh, tested and got his black belt through Chuck Norris. I want to say like in Utah or something. Something really that. weird like that. APL, hey, I don't know if you know this, but my son is a purple belt in the Chuck Norris system. Really? He is. He is indeed. Oh, that's amazing. No, good for him. Not me. I don't have anything, but he has a purple belt. No, I well, I, I I knew you were talking about your son. I wasn't thinking, hey, Chad's a purple belt. Where'd this come from? <laughs> I'm back, I know baby. you're. I know you're like a third Dan. Oh yeah. So at least, at least. <laughs> so yeah, we meet Tom, and he's got his his crew. Is the most notable Rob and Gina, who are always at his side. They're bullying the hall monitor, which is classic thing a bully would do. And now we find out, though, PL, that Tom is dating Julie. Uh, who, who could have seen that coming? I mean, a Ken and Barbie, if there ever was, you know what I mean? It's uh, the the big jock on campus, even though he didn't play any high school sports, <laughs> you know, because he was just doing his own thing on the side at Lee's Dojo. But uh, going going back a little bit, I I always hated the Gina character. I couldn't stand this girl. I couldn't... I, it, like nothing she did was any good to me. Like I didn't like her face. I didn't like her <laughs> voice. I didn't like her attempt at being a whore in the library oh, yeah. or grabbing Ken's butt when he shows up in class. You know what I mean? Cause that's the thing we see Ken uh, or we see Tom in class. Um, I guess Julie's saying, where were you last night? He forgot he was at the gym. He was training or something. And he's like, what's the problem? And I believe this is very early on when we first see him. And she's like, if you don't know, because, whoa, 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 don't walk away from me. I own you. And you just you just know this is domestic yeah. violence waiting to happen. Oh, boy. Yeah, she is. Yeah, Julie makes it known she's certainly not a fan of Sensei Lee. Apparently, ever since Sensei Lee entered Tom's life, he's become a different man. Hey, Lee's my sensei. Don't talk about him that way. At least, <laughs> at least that's mentioned a couple of times because you know, for the, for the most of the film, you're like, why in the world would this girl even be with this guy? He seems like such a turd. Yeah. But but she does, you know, say that later. Uh, he used to be different. He's not like this. You know, this is a kind of a new thing. So uh, I guess it's a little bit more acceptable. It'd be really interesting to see, you know, the prequel. Where you would like, he didn't always used to be this way. I mean, I guess you get a very small glimpse of it at the very end. So you want you want like a reverse Cobra Kai. You want yeah. a sh- you want something that happened before he all wants this. Showdown to the beginning. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> show up. Uh, um, you know, I want to see what what Tom was like before he was. Uh, manipulated by Lee, you know? I mean, I don't think Lee was running his own underground fight ring when he was still harassing high school parties with 
Pringle girls <laughs> and his leather jacket and kissing guys on the forehead and smashing bottles over their heads. Um, so I think Lee's brother, was it Max? I think Max's death Max, yeah. sent Lee even further off the deep end, you know? I, I would say so. But he, be- he became an entrepreneur because, you know, he started all these <laughs> things. And maybe, maybe his time in, I'm assuming he went to prison, right? After that whole incident. Yeah, he yeah, probably went to the library all the time and was learning yeah. how to start your own business and made the most of his watching. Uh, seven years is the, is the difference, right? From is it- Max's death to where we meet up with our current story. Okay, I did not know that. I yeah, was- it's seven years, I think. It says seven years. PL's a detail man if he's not. <laughs> how about that? That's all I've got. We've got uh, we we go into the classroom. The teacher there, she's got potatoes on the blackboard. Apparently, this is something that happens a lot, so she just kind of blows it off. Uh, and I think there was a story about. I think this actually happened at Robert Radler's high school. Something right. with potatoes uh, on the blackboard. So I he, like that it's a mystery. I don't I don't want to know. Yeah, he used it in there. Um, uh, we find out some gruesome information that the day before. The uh, freshman was stabbed. So this school is rough, Chad Cruz. This is not just a suburban, perfect high school. Yeah, people, I mean, people are getting stabbed. We already saw the kids with the gun, but now it's, we, we see it's more than just showing off. Early 90s uh, high schools were a dangerous place to be because, you know, only the strong. you got all these movies, uh, constant gang fighting and people getting shanked and uh, you know, gym teachers, roundhouse kicking people in the face. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of things going on at these schools that we didn't, you know, that we didn't see in our schools or know about. But uh, luckily, we have this bit of history. The kid with the gun us. alone, you know, that's a yeah, that's massive fair. precursor to uh, the sad case of high schools and gun violence now. If Brian James were still alive, he would... He yeah, would. this wouldn't be happening. Nope. I agree. Yeah, so we also... This is where we get introduced to our class clown, Mike, played by John Asher, who I always will remember from the uh, Weird Science TV show. And uh, when right. he, he, he cracks the joke about the stabbing, that I guess he got the point. <laughs> get it? Get it, you guys? It's, 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 it demonstrates how... You can be such a nerd to the point that even the bully will kind of brush you off. Like, this guy's such a nerd. I'm not even going to beat him up for that. Even though he gets a little taste of it later uh, with his clever glasses with the eyes on them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they're hilarious, aren't they? Oh, they're so good. But, you know, I think he's the perfect kind of comedic sidekick relief in this situation where Ken shows up, he's fish out of water, doesn't know anybody, and who better than the class clown goofball to kind of help warm him up to the situation. He lays out the the law for him too, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he tells him, you know, you don't want to be talking to Julie. Um, stick with me and my hilarious novelty glasses and you'll be fine. Um this is where we, we talked about it earlier. The reason Ken moved was because his mom lost her job. Um, and then we get to see Ken try to open his locker. And what a freaking garbage pale kid's locker that thing was. Peter. Oh, yeah. I That sock. And there's like corn on the sock or something. And it looks like <laughs> the sock belonged to somebody who had their foot cut off. I had and... a sock like that in my in my 
dresser when I was a kid. No way. <laughs> I was probably Is it 14, still there? so I, I oh. hope not. I think I burned it at one point. <laughs> disposed of the evidence. Probably what caused the hole in the ozone. <laughs> I thought I thought it was a pretty good, you know, I wonder how many times they shot this. I imagine less than five times, but maybe the, maybe this is the only time. This is the only take. But I liked how when he slams the locker, it kind of makes the sock stick up a bit, like it's jammed in there. <laughs> I thought they couldn't have planned that. Sometimes you just, yeah, sometimes things just happen. I think you get some things with, uh, with Ken Scott where he plays a great kind of outsider or a, a kid who's out of his element. He does it really well because I think as an actor, he is actually out of his element. And <laughs> well, he's, com- not, he's not in a turtle costume. So it's he's... true. It, it comes across well, I think, on screen. So Mike takes him to the library, which a lot of action happens in this library. People are always in the library. Shows him around. We, we see the teacher, who's also a struggling actor. We see Stinky, who that may have been his locker. Maybe the year before, and he just that makes you know, perfect sense. Wow, we got some skinheads, and then we got the football heroes. So you got a lot of the prototypical thing, characters you'd have in high school. Although none of these people are really fleshed out, because we're yeah. focused on Tom, Mike, Julie, and Ken. It's interesting too that they put Julie at a table with supposed friends of hers, even though they don't say anything. They don't. <laughs> right. <laughs> make any kind of verbiage towards her. Like Ken shows up and you would think they would be well aware of Julie's, uh, you know, her situation and so, but yeah, I thought that was a weird placement for these extras that they just picked out and were like, you're going to be Julie's friends right but here. Yeah, but you have no line. There's a lot. You no, know what I always notice in the movie back to school, there's so many people in that movie that just stand there and say nothing. <laughs> Try not to look at the camera. Just You're just here. You have no lines. Just let Rodney do his material and sit there. We're not going to get into it. So, <laughs> so Mike, uh, once again, it's like, hey, you know, because Ken sees Julie and he's like, oh, I'm, he starts making his way over there. Mike's saying, don't do it. But there goes Ken. He can't help himself. And he introduces himself officially to her. Uh, but... Who is right around the corner? It's Tom. Yeah, and he's walking in with his arms around Gina. Like, that's one of the things, too, where you're just like, Tom doesn't give a shit. He's such a hypocrite. You know, he hangs out with this... Uh, this Hoochie this, mama? Yeah, like, she's like, the, she's like a, more like a chola. And uh, the, the Italian WAP guy with him, with the rat tail who I also didn't really like at all, who I think his deal was that he had auditioned for Ken and Tom and got neither of them. And so they threw him this part and apparently he was, uh, not the friendliest guy to Ken or something to Ken. Yeah. Who knows? But yeah, I guess he had auditioned for both the leads and got neither. So he got this kind of lackey role for Tom, but I didn't like him either. You know, he nothing about him. Just hated him, actually. Well, at least he's supposed to be hated. So I guess that works for him. Um, Julie begs Tom to leave Ken alone. You know, he's just being nice, blah, blah, blah. So Tom lets Ken off with a warning, or so it seems, until after school, Chad. Then uh, Ken really runs into some trouble. 
Yeah, it's 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 not good for Ken. I mean, it, you had to expect it because you know that Tom's not going to just let that fly. Uh, and then he finally catches him after school, punches him in the mouth, you know, reiterates his warning, get the hell away from my girl, and then uh, gives him a little low low blow shot and uh, leaves him crying on the ground. Trying to pick a fight with me? <laughs> <laughs> he's got the best lines. And then that's where he's back. Billy Grant, we now find out, has been a high school janitor. I don't know if it was the entire time, but he certainly is right now. Um, and he helps uh, pick Tom up, and, or Ken up, I'm sorry, and uh, take him back to his janitor's lair that has Bruce Lee posters and uh, other various items that we've kind of already mentioned. Well, we'll get into that more. But uh finds out that uh, Ken is from Kansas, and he hits the line, PL. He, he had to hit the line. Somebody had to hit the line. Right, none can more. They gave it to Billy, and he delivered it with as much passion as humanly possible for Billy Blanks. <laughs> I mean, they set it up to where you couldn't miss it because Billy laughs to himself, and Ken's like, "What? What? You know, like almost was so funny." And he goes, "Not Kansas anymore." Oh, man, ah, oh, so bad. You know, <laughs> we we see Billy's legs earlier on. I think when the hall monitor thing is going on. Because we just see him sweeping off, like kind of past frame, right? There's the detail, man. There it is. Yeah. So I I had liked that detail. Because it's kind of like, we're going to show you a little glimpse. What's to come? I wasn't paying attention, apparently. Um, So let's go to Lee's dojo. Wait, hold on. What's that hat that Billy is wearing? It's like he just got out of like the hip hop recording studio with Jodeci. Um, <laughs> I didn't get that at all. Maybe he I, did. I mean, janitors wear ball caps, don't they? This was well, like you can't a, wear a ball cap <laughs> with, with that flat top he's got. I think it that flat top would hinder the ball or the the hat would mess up the flat top. I think you got to have a higher, uh, yeah, more point. vertical hat. <laughs> Even yeah, this is like uh, not even I don't. It's not what's the name for this hat? It's not a fedora, but it was just way too stylish. You know, like maybe he was working with the inner city kids on like a uh, like a WrestleMania type rap. Um, <laughs> you know, it's kind of so. what struck me as he's got the oversized sweater and the the weight gloves. Oh, he had great uh, tennis shoes too. I don't remember what they were, but they were nice. Oh yeah, Ruse. yeah. Well, well paid, well paid janitor. They might have been ruse. Was that the ones where you'd put the uh, yeah shoes coin? for your feet and pockets for your stuff? Yeah, the coins in the pocket. Get a soda. <laughs> so let's go to Lee's Dojo, brought to you by Otomix. Uh, <laughs> and this is where we hear that ma- mantra, Chad Cruz. Yes, over and over again. Success is control. Control is success. You. Success is control. <laughs> control is success. You! Just 40 minutes of that. It's so good. It's so good. And then Lee is like, if you want to take on my star pupil, Tom, you got to prove yourself to me. Oh, boy. And that does not work out well for the poor sap who attempts to do that. When we see him coming in just... At, kind of off frame he runs in late and gets into the group hoping that lee didn't see him <laughs> as he's giving his big uh you know you pep talk and all that so 
As you know, we are holding trials for Tom tonight. I will be testing them myself. Wow, that's a good Patrick Kilpatrick. You actually uh, worked with Mr. Kilpatrick, if I'm not mistaken. (laughs) I did. I think he he liked the way you filled out your pants, if I recall correctly as well. There's a story. (laughs) uh, We've lost P.O. Oh, damn it. Maybe he's faking it. You know what? I think this is a good time to take a break, and we'll be back, and we'll find out about P.L. and Patrick Kilpatrick and liking his pants. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we are back on the Bulletproof Podcast, and and the little teaser we had before that break was, of course, that Paul London, you worked uh, on a little project with Mr. Patrick Kilpatrick, where he was basically sexually harassing you. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, that was, you know, it wasn't even, there wasn't really much, of, it was a scene, but they really just kind of wanted us to improvise. He was my boss, and when I met him, it was so hard for me to not want to just mark out and start asking him all these questions about showdown. So we're talking about the scene and he goes, you know, I think it's, if it's okay with you, I'm going to bring this approach that I'm sexually hitting on you. I'm harassing you sexually. I was just, I was like, yeah, that, that works. Okay. Like (laughs) bring it, you know? So we kind of improvised the scene for the most part. And it was a lot of fun. He's a, intense as you would expect and afterwards i was able to ask my share of showdown questions which he was touched you know he was like uh that's what a lot of people bring up showdown there's a place for everybody they seem to love showdown and he goes you know we shot all the fight scenes for that in one day <laughs> I was like, "Wow!" So the whole that. movie took a week to shoot. I think just the whole movie was a week. But now apparently, yeah, they shot all the fight scenes in one day, and I think part of that was because his rate was so high. Um, anyways, <laughs> you know, he was hitting on you because control is success. Uh, and I wanted to kind of weave that in. It just didn't, it would have been too forced, you know. And, yeah, and he was already doing a lot of forcing. Yeah. I mean, it was it was fun. He was, he was a really fun guy uh, to work with. I had actually, the producers of that project, it'll probably never see the light of day, unfortunately. But they gave me the choice. They were like, we could get Richard Tyson or Patrick Kilpatrick, who would you rather? I was like, oh, my God, I would love both of them, but Patrick Kilpatrick, oh, he's Lee. <laughs> and the Sandman, let's not forget the Sandman. Yeah. Well, yeah, of course, you know, but I, I've, I've seen Showdown ten times as many you know, as I've seen Death Warrant. And that is exactly why you are on this episode of the Bulletproof Podcast. So yeah. we now meet Lee's business partner, Kate, 
And uh, she's there. She's telling Tom, hey, no more fights at school. This is where we start getting an inkling that there's more to this than just being a dojo. This is a business they're running here because he has a real fight tonight. What does that mean, Chad? Well, we find out the next day at school when old uh, Tom comes walking in with a wad of cash. Well, hold on. Can we back up to the trials? So he completely decimates this nerd who looks like Craig Elo. And uh, that's a shout out to your Cavaliers. Thank you. And uh, yeah, I think the kid tries to do a spinning something and he just punches him in the back. Bah! I mean, so <laughs> intense. And then one of my absolute favorite moments, he leans in after he just destroys this kid, kicks him in the face when he's down. But he leans into the class. He's like, I won. Who won? Sensei, who won? He's just a madman. I'd be thinking, man, he already took my deposit. Uh, yeah, I don't I'm think not coming I could, back. I don't think I could drop. Yeah, he's going to find out where I live. Oh, that's true. He would. He would be the type. Maybe that's what he was doing at the uh, party. One of those. Maybe he had a school way back then. Uh, see, they that's, they didn't, that's. They didn't show up, so he tracked him down at that party and started causing trouble. That's why we need showdown the early years. <laughs> I show think, up, show in. I think that's why uh, his business partner, Kate, played such a crucial role because she used her seductive abilities to get people in the door, you know, to get asses in the seats. So without without her, he's just a lunatic. <laughs> yeah. And she wasn't even attractive. I mean, she was kind of like the uh, – the leasing agent to a trailer park. Right. You know, they just, let's make her blonde and she's got red lips and drives a convertible. That's hot in the early nineties. Let's do it. Yeah. She looked like a, she could have been on an episode of silk stockings for sure. Oh yeah. Oh, totally. In my world, there's ones and zeros and she was definitely a one. (laughs) Ones and zeros. <laughs> as as I was saying, Tom won his his real fight. We find out they're running teenage underground fight club. So this is something uh, that you don't see too often in these movies. I mean, I mean, underground fight clubs happen all the time, but rarely are they teenagers. With teenagers, right? Yeah, that, a, that's a little first. bit of a wrinkle. Yeah, and usually it's you know a bunch of rich people throwing money at people, you know, bleeding everywhere. But uh, yeah. This is this is just a random dudes in the crowd. It's like you know, yeah, for, and just like yeah, the yeah. Who are these people, and why haven't as <laughs> anybody squealed to the cops? Yeah. Like hey, you know, they're like especially if they keep losing money, you right. think somebody be pissed off to the point where like, hey, cops, they're they're making kids fight each other over here at this place, and they have like official EMTs. Uh, apparently, they're on the take. Is that what you do, Chad Cruz, for extra money? You know, there there are some special duties that come with the job, and. uh I, I love the ability. I love the one EMT guy. He picks him up and he's like, you lost me 20 bucks, you little bastard. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I would have been. Tom's all excited. He won his fight. Uh, but his mood changes because once again, we get freaking Ken talking to Julie. Oh, my uh, God. This is just like this cycle. And You know, the first time I saw this movie, I didn't mind this. But I, I'll tell you what, on this rewatch, this whole back and forth thing was really starting to get on my nerves. He's such a dumbass. And, and, you know, to be honest with you, Tom is not a good dude, but 
Ken really does deserve an ass whooping for the ages. And, and he gets it a couple of times throughout the film, but he just keeps coming back. He just, yeah. I mean, Julie, uh, Christine Taylor, is that her name? Christine Taylor. Yes. She, she's a lovely, lovely girl and, uh, married to Ben Stiller. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I don't know. I just, why would you continue to bark up the wrong tree and yeah. get your face smashed in? I mean, at some point, I think that he just realizes that Billy is there for him and has his back. So he's like, whatever, I'm just going to do it. Right. He, he has an insurance policy. Yeah. P.O., have we lost you? All right. Well, we'll keep moving. I hope that I hope the first thing we hear from him is you. <laughs> it's very possible. It's very possible. We're going to keep going. So uh, I won. Here he goes. Here he is. <laughs> Beautiful. The first, play, the first time I saw Christine Taylor was she was Melody in Hey Dude. And I don't think she she clearly wasn't as successful at this. I mean, she was working, right? She had done like Campfire Tales or something around this time and some other stuff. She's, I don't think she had met Ben Stiller at this point. I don't know where they met, but it was after this, I'm sure. So, you know... Interesting choice for for the lead uh, actress because she wasn't, you know, she's not like smoking hot. She's just kind of like it was the more the girl next door. They're trying to make her kind of the Elizabeth yeah. Shoe, right? Kinda. She's a one. She's a one. Okay, <laughs> she's adorable though. I mean, she really is. She still she looks great now. Still, yeah, probably better now. Like a fine wine. Well, she played a similar character in Hey Dude. This is the most Hey Dude references we've ever had on this on this podcast. And probably it was, the most it was, we'll ever have. It was a good show. I liked it. I mean, I think Apparently it went for so. three seasons on Nickelodeon. And it was, yeah, good stuff. Maybe four seasons. But she was kind of the materialistic, vain, uh, pretty girl on the Dude Ranch. Well, as Chad would tell you, I was I was already like forty three when this Hey Dude was airing, so I yeah. was probably oh, watching yeah. Silk Stockings <laughs> instead of uh, right Nickelodeon kids show. She would have been good for Silk Stockings too. Oh boy, wouldn't she have? Oh yeah, the young young girl of the rich parent, mm-hmm, playing tennis. I could see it. All right, so uh, where were we? Uh, so we already uh, tore the money put a, put the money in his face it's not about money it's about respect we're past uh, that this is um, he goes back to talk to Julie again in the library of all places with the candlestick in Colonel Mustard no and not that we have to PL please some, someone's got to mention this librarian oh uh, yeah he used to be a, he used to be Bozo the Clown or something like they yeah, mentioned yeah. that He's got the bug eyes. And He's so easily distracted as well. Yeah, with Gina's chola horisms. <laughs> it's just like, get out of here. This guy, even he's too good for her. So, um, yeah. yeah, he jumps up on the uh, tables and gets out of Dodge. And then we see Mike peeking up over the bookshelves. And off we go. Yeah, they're, they're, we're chasing Ken through the school. Uh, the chase ends at the gym. Ken has nowhere to run, but he does have a guardian angel of sorts, Chad Cruz, because Billy is there. Yeah, Billy's, uh, he, he enters the scene. Get your shoes off my floor. Uh, 
which is great. Why don't you buzz off? <laughs> Nothing pisses a janitor off more than if you fuck up his floor. Oh, man. I bet one of them had boots on or something, you know? And Yeah, oh, Ken. Man. Or Tom, oh, yeah. I mean. Keep saying Ken. It's bizarre I, for me. You know what? Ken probably had boots on, too, because he's pretty short. I bet he was trying to get a little lift out of it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. have you ever yeah. have you ever not been able to get through those doors from the inside? I've never under, I didn't understand that part where he's pushing the uh, the metal massive... doors from the inside, but they're locked. I thought that little metal handlebar gimmick should open it up automatically. Yeah, I think that's a fire hazard. It's a massive fire hazard. Yeah, you can't you can't have one exit in a gym like that. Give me a break. <laughs> I would I would write them up. In two seconds flat. I agree. Especially if Billy's there. <laughs> Billy's there. <laughs> Billy realizes. So he, Billy kicks some ass. Now we get to see Billy, but he almost goes too far. He, Why don't you go clean a toilet? He loses control. And uh, Ken kind of <laughs> stops him. Billy takes off. Now the kids all pour into the gym and they see Tom and Rob down and out. And they assume Ken was the one who kicked their ass. So now... The school is a buzz. Oh, man. He should have just kicked him while they were down and taken credit. He didn't even, I mean, like, and Billy used some restraint somewhat in this, even though he chokes Tom out. He's not striking them. He's just evasive. And, right. you know, Tom throws the big kick, and that hits uh, the ponytail. Saturday Night Fever <laughs> rat tail guy, yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's like Travolta to me. He is like yeah. a Travolta esque quality, but Billy's not striking these thirty-five-year-old uh, high school guys. He's right. you know just evasive until he chokes them. I do like the collision between Tom and Travolta, where um, they kind of go back to back, and they're like, <laughs> "Could Paul? Could you imagine if?" Instead of Billy Blanks, we had uh, um, Steven Seagal, and oh. he was just oh. break, breaking everybody's limbs. <laughs> yeah, sexually harassing Christine yes. Taylor off screen. That, oh, obviously, yeah. Yeah, that would have been <laughs> insane. One of our finest Russian actors. All right, so, <laughs> so yeah. Now uh, Kate wants to know what the hell is going on with with uh, Tom. Because he's all banged up. How'd this happen? Because she told him specifically, no more fighting at school. You're, you know, you're too valuable for our whole fight club gimmick we got going on here. Um, finds out it was the janitor. Now Lee wants to talk to Tom. And uh, he's talking to him about weakness. And uh, gets a little physical with him, P.L. Have we lost P.L.? All right, well, so. he gets a little physical <laughs> with him, beats him up some, yeah, some smacks bit, him around. Some bitch slapping goes yeah. on. Just kind of put him uh, put him in his place, and then Lee has uh, Kate go investigate this janitor situation. <laughs> Which is a bizarre thing to think uh, yeah, who, you would put in your action film. Yeah, I need you to investigate the janitor situation. Not something you'd expect to, to hear in any movie, uh, let alone this one. But that's what we get. Um, so now we get back to Julie and Ken. Back oh, Lord. Ken is the, okay, yeah, no, we can't be friends. Okay, maybe he's finally got the, the point here, yeah. it would seem. I don't think so because, I, yeah, okay, let's just pretend like he, he's uh, thinking that. that would be the right thing. <laughs> 
the pain you feel on the outside is nothing compared to the pain you should feel on the inside. <sighs> That's a leism. Do you have those written down somewhere? Because I feel like no, you should. I have all these memorized. You will find who this man is now. Now, <laughs> friends, <laughs> to punch her. Oh yeah, he. Or no, that's later. Him. After she's taken the photos. That's, yeah, right. that's right. Okay. This is what PL chooses to use his memory for. Yeah. Showdown quotes. That's right. Um, Tom, today, go off his bike. Today's yeah. Today's prank though. We're back at school. The prank. The whole desk is missing now. I mean, what will these kids do next? Uh, one can only guess. And wasn't that um, the skinheads carrying it? I think so. I mean, that's, yeah. the le- that's the lamest prank they could ever do. I mean, I would expect something way worse from them. Well, I'm going to say something way worse than stealing a desk, and that's crushing <coughs> a person's novelty glasses. And that's what Tom is doing on the outside. Starts roughing up Mike a bit. And once again, we get the little tease of Ken and Tom. Um, well, hold this on. Is where, this is where we get the first needle dick. This hold on, we got to back up a little bit because one of the finest, greatest moments—not just in this film, but in any film—occurs right after uh, everyone thinks that Tom got his ass kicked by Ken, and that's when that uh, what was it, John Carradine, who's in Revenge of the Nerds, but this kid looks like him. But he shows up and he's like, nice fight, Tom. He just gets punched right in the face. (laughs) (laughs) It was like a one-inch punch, too. He was like right there. It's such a jab. It's a jab. Yeah, it really is like a one-inch punch. It just destroys him. I rewound that so many times. I still do. What's funny is we keep talking about all these scenes, and and Tom is clearly the best character in this movie. Oh, by Uh, far. And even when even when he's talking to Sensei Lee, like he, the fear in his face, I mean, you could yeah, you can like feel it. It's so good. I think this is his best work, without a doubt. And I think College Kickboxers is outstanding, for maybe not the best reasons, but I think it's great. Uh, I haven't seen all of Ken McLeod's filmography. Um, Brain, you introduced me to the one with him and Gary Daniels. Yeah, uh, and then I think he did one with Don the Dragon Wilson. He really yeah. doesn't have that much of a filmography. He was in a uh, Cynthia Rothrock one as well. Yeah, and he was a uh, rich kid number two or something in Double Dragon. There you go. With John Asher as well. You know, seeing what we see from Robert Radler, you know, using reusing a lot of the same people. You know, he used Patrick Kilpatrick in Best of the Best Two, and then again in Showdown, right. and he uses a lot of these same guys. You would have thought that. Kim McLeod would have been in, you know, he would all have been these in the, in the in the Radler bunch, the Radler bunch. Yeah, put him in L.A. He put him in Soldier of Fortune, put him in all the, you know, Hercules and shit, substitute three, whatever he did. I but... don't know that Robert Radler was all there mentally, because <laughs> I mean, in hearing uh, or in seeing the behind the scenes or making of this or something, there was some feature I saw. He claims Ken McLeod wasn't one of the actors that knew martial arts, and I thought. He's clearly the second best martial artist on this whole thing behind Billy Blanks, you know, without a doubt. But he's like, oh, you know, Ken picked it up quickly. It's like, are you kidding me? (laughs) So, yeah. 
I don't think Robert Radler's the most. Uh, what in the world? Um, yeah, sounds like you were closing the locker. <laughs> no, I. You know who that is? That Remo. The devil. You got belt. it. Devil it's belt. Remo, oh, little bastard, making a cameo. I, I locked him out of the room because uh, this would not be getting done right now, and he's <laughs> he's uh, knocking on the door to get in here. Um, as I was saying, we get the first needle dick, and then we get. Tom getting his his mojo back because he beats Ken's ass. Great palm tree bump by John Asher too, by the way. Before I forget, because he puts the glasses on and crushes them, puts them on again, and then gets the head thrown and takes a big bump into the palm tree. The double pair of glasses is maybe my favorite scene in the whole film, <laughs> where he puts the second pair on. It's really good. It's great. He's a resourceful young man, if nothing else. All right, so now Billy's realizing, i got to teach this Ken how to protect himself. I can't get involved. I can't be beating the shit out of these kids, but I teach Ken how to beat the shit out of these kids. And we get our first janitorial work montage. And this is where, you know, some people would probably say this is nothing more than a cheap Karate Kid ripoff. But this scene here, PL... The movie proves it's well aware of that, and it embraces it. Yeah, and I think, um... and we lost him. <laughs> it, you know what's what's funny with this montage is I felt like it was. Uh, re- we talked about Revenge of the Nerds. You could have had that same song. You know, you've got to put one foot in front of the <laughs> other, and you could have had the same montage play with that song in the background. It would have worked pretty well, I think. Probably would have been yeah, a better song. The music in this uh, film isn't all all that. It's forgettable. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's they definitely cut some corners there. I don't know if I'm back. Yet. Oh, okay, you're, you're back. You're back. I win. Sorry. Oh, I won. I keep losing. <laughs> um, with the stupid headphones. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, I was just gonna say the song at this. Uh, I don't know if it's right here, but this. I think it's. I don't know if it's fate. Fate's warning or. But the training song, the montage song, the main montage song, when he starts throwing the basketball at him and stuff, um, that's a great song. I can't remember the name of it. This janitorial work montage song I don't think was anything to write home about. Yeah, I mean, the main theme is good. It's like, na, 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 na. Beautiful. Yeah. Even a kick-ass song. In a janitorial work montage. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to do that. It's hard to make that work. Yeah, that's that's true, too. Um, Julie is not happy with what Tom did to Ken. And uh, now she's playing the, maybe you'll have to choose between me and Sensei Lee. Okay, just enough of this. Okay, now Kate is there. And she slips by old Vice Principal Kowalski by saying she's there to interview for the sex ed teacher position. And again, they're trying to sell this woman as being sexy, P.L. That's right. Oh, uh, right this way. I hope we can work together. (laughs) (laughs) Then when she walks off, he kind of looks at her and he goes, yeah. (laughs) And you know what? Maybe that's it. Like that's who like Brian James would think was sexy. And like my, I could see my dad being really into yeah. into this woman. Like, like oh yeah, she's hot. Because yeah, like you said, she drives a convertible. She's blonde and she has lipstick. So, right and poofy hair and shoulder pads. Well, that that was the style at the time. 
like wearing <laughs> like wearing an onion on your belt was some decades before. So Billy is training Ken, and Kate gets the pictures. Um, and this is what you had mentioned earlier, PL. Uh, she shows them to Lee, and he's he goes all Lee on her. Yeah, he backs up from the desk. She's like, <laughs> "You could have hurt me. You will find out more of this man now, now." Lifts his fists up like he's going to smash her head like a pumpkin. And, uh, yeah, just he loses it because he is this flashback. He knows this man. He knows he's more than a janitor. Remo knows that he's more than a janitor. (laughs) And it wasn't Fate's warning. It was Azro. That's who did Draw the Line, the best song in the soundtrack. Sorry. (laughs) Did I lose you guys? I think we lost brains, but we lost. Oh, we might have. Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. (laughs) It got real quiet. I I put it on mute because the dog was going off. I I think he just tried to uh, physically assault his his pet. I did not. (laughs) I did not. I just told him to shut up and you could see how well that worked. Um, You get the if you can dodge a ball, you could dodge a fist bit. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, this is where we get into the official training montage. That's it. Draw the line. That's the name of the song by Azro. A dot Z dot R dot O. <laughs> Holy shit. What wonder what that's an acronym for. Is that uh... I don't know. I have no idea because they have another song on here, uh Part of Me. And then there's another acronym band on the soundtrack, DFM. I think it's H to the Izzo, E to the Ezro. I don't know. It's They're actually so... only DFM or Azro. Those are the two acronym bands in this whole soundtrack. There, there are just so many great, uh, so many great action movies that have rem- just memorable songs and songs that you put in your playlist and you work out to them and stuff. Oh yeah, and I. You know this what? When this song came on, I couldn't remember this one. I don't know what it was about this movie. If it maybe the montage itself kind of. Uh, I don't know. It's just too overwhelming with how good it is. Uh, <laughs> you couldn't to the remember song. the song, or you? I, did, I didn't remember the song. Oh, at all. I, I suggest you go back and check out "Draw the Line" uh, by uh, Azro, acronymed. <laughs> if I, if you hear me muting, it's not because I'm looking up photos of. Uh, no, no, that's Christine fine. Taylor and and, uh, and Linda, Kate. Linda Linda Donna. Yes. Is that who that is? Linda Donna. Classic Ooh, beauty. Yeah. <laughs> Never trust a person with two first names. All right. <laughs> so we've got, uh, after the training montage, After we, we just had Ken say, okay, we can't be friends. Now here he is, back to trying to be friends with Julie. And this is where I was just like, I'm done with this. Either shit or get off the pot, basically, at this point. Ken is very, very horny. Yeah, I like his style of clothing as well. I can't tell if it's cross colors or what he's wearing exactly, but I noticed they purposely kept him in long sleeves yes. and baggy clothes throughout the first three-fourths of the movie. You know what I mean? Yeah, they put jackets on him in the really long shirt. like a Yeah, and, in and Arizona. Then, in Arizona. And then they finally do the reveal where he pops the shirt off and he's all shredded. But they don't really linger on it, which is a little bit of no. a surprise. They should have lingered no. longer. Yeah, I mean, I guess he he's clearly jacked throughout the whole time. But, yeah. you know, Tom is dressed like a bad art dealer. Like Zach Morris. Uh, <laughs> kind of, yeah. Like yeah. if Zach had 
growing up to be a uh, a drug dealer <laughs> or a part of a cartel. Um, I mean, we'll get to Tom's vest at the cinema in a little bit, I'm sure. Oh, but man, that's classic. <laughs> that's my favorite. It is a beautiful piece of clothing. Uh, but uh you know this is where julie starts making the excuses for tom um but then we get after another training session ken finds billy's badge so now he's like oh so he wasn't always a janitor there are so many worse things he could have found in, in his office you know yeah and one thing i also thought was really bizarre was for billy to be training him and I, I don't know. I've never, I've never encountered any trainers who, when you're done with a, a good workout or after a good martial arts sparring session or something, they're like, "Hey, go get a couple sodas out right. of the cooler." I thought sodas. That's let's yeah, get dehydrated. A, yeah, I mean, that's just such a weird choice for a uh, post-workout beverage. <laughs> but that's what leads him to the locker, and he notices the. Uh, the badge, you know, the shield, as they say, right there. Because why think, wouldn't Billy keep the shield right, right in his janitor locker? And I think it said uh, "policeman, police" on it, yeah. which was a bit odd. I don't think they say I, that. I don't. Know. I think it's great. I, they might have in Phoenix. It might have been a Phoenix <laughs> thing at the costume shop, <laughs> just so that you could definitely see what it is on screen because the image of a police badge isn't enough. So they want to hit that home. <laughs> so we, I think we've gone like five minutes without a Tom and Ken confrontation. So we needed one. Yeah. Uh, we're doing. And they meet, meet by the bleachers. I just imagine when you mute the, when you mute yourself to take care of Remo, I imagine that you go all Lee on them. You will be quiet now. <laughs> now! <laughs> he holds up a newspaper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's a newspaper? Oh, shit. Uh, you're old enough to remember those. Come on, man. <laughs> it's so, uh, the, pul- the, pulp- the pulps. <laughs> so we get this confrontation at the bleachers. Ken gets in a shot, and here comes Kate in her convertible and picks him up. Kicks him um, in the balls, got- too. I was like, is yeah. did Billy teach him that? Yeah. Well, that's, yeah. That's, he learned that on that, the streets. That's of- self-defense 101. The streets that's of Kansas, true. baby. Mean streets of Kansas. You better believe it. So Kate picks him up and uh, has a proposition for him and takes him to see the fights at Lee's Dojo. That's right. And I don't think the fighters that they witnessed were high school age at all. I mean, they look like truck drivers or just different forms of white trash. Um, (laughs) One's pretty fat. and Yeah, anyways, it was weird. I feel like if Ken had seen the fight that we saw earlier with uh, Sensei Lee beating the hell out of that kid. Oh. If, he had, if he had seen that, he might have been like, okay, I can do that. I can beat that kid up. <laughs> and then she's like, you can make upwards of $500. <laughs> yeah. And then she talks about how kids pay their way through college. And I thought that college was, must've been super inexpensive back then. I don't, I don't Community know. Community college. <laughs> yeah. University of Phoenix. <laughs> that's, that's where it all started that's where it all started <laughs> well, I'm sure since they since they lee got his college degree in prison so you know right there you go i learned Tax, taxpayer funded <laughs> baby 
I did notice at this point the college kickboxer poster on the wall at Lee's Dojo. So good. And I wonder, did Ken bring did Ken McLeod bring that to set? Because he's the only connection to that one. Yeah. Uh, what other films do we see on the wall? We see, I think, King of the Kickboxers. King of the Kickboxers. Yep, that's yeah. up there. Black yeah. Eagle. And nice. a movie called China White, which I am not familiar with. But I think it might be streaming somewhere. So one never knows. You might find China White on BulletproofAction.com. Oh, wow. It's pretty good. What a tease. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure that one would get thousands of <laughs> clicks. Uh Kate tries to give Ken a cash advance. He's like, no, 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 I can't do this. And then we get to see the main event, which Lee is there booking himself on top. Nice. Typical promoter bullshit. Um, And there, yeah, so just more Lee, though. So that's pretty cool. I'm looking at a China White right now that has Billy Drago in it. Ooh. Directed by by Ronnie Yu. So it might be good. It might be an excellent film. Chad already already shitting on it, and he hadn't seen it. That's true. <laughs> well, I, cla- classic crew. I figured that it's a movie that the three of us have never heard of. It's probably no. not not gonna you know change your world. Yeah, I mean, it goes by Guang Ting Lung Fu Wu. Oh, it's that did. one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Now that you say that, yeah. I've seen that movie ten times. It's no right, China we're... O'Brien. Uh, what a wonderful series of films. Why aren't those on Blu-ray? That's, that's a great Honestly, question. No I, idea. I have. Uh, Billy's pretty pissed at this uh, making money off teens, though. Well, she tries She tries to put money in Ken's hands. Yeah, he doesn't want it. He doesn't want it. You know, he doesn't he, he, he rushes to tell Billy about it. Like, I could have made money. And yeah. Billy's all, Billy's all pissed about it. And he kind of gets that. Uh, Billy's getting his groove back, Chad Cruz. He is. He, he's he, he's to feel getting that, that law enforcement gene inside of him is, is real weakening. Yeah, he's, he's kind of getting it uh, little by little, scene by scene. And, and we start to see it from here on out. You know, he, I think teaching Ken, it reinvigorated him a bit because he'd been kind of dead inside, cleaning yeah. toilets and puke off the fucking cafeteria floor. No but, purpose. Uh, now he's starting to really feel the need to protect and serve again. Wearing that hat all the time, just yeah, <laughs> hanging out with Joe to see uh, Tony, 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 all the hits. Uh, Tony, Tony, Tony was my jam back in the day. <laughs> Babyface, sure it was. Better, uh, it was good. It was good. <laughs> I know you weren't always a janitor. I used to be a cop. Nah, I killed a kid. I just couldn't do it anymore. <laughs> Tremendous dramatic reenactment Thank of you. Billy Blanks' skills. Uh, Kate tells uh, Tom again. Now she's like, okay. She's already told him not to fight, but now she's specifically saying, don't mess with Ken because we got plans for him. It, he's going gonna, gonna to get a big baby face push, and we don't need him hurt. You know, I didn't notice it as much when I was watching this movie. You know, I hadn't seen it in several years, but... It, Upon my rewatch, I didn't notice it, but now that we're talking about it, it seems like every second or third scene is the same shit over and over It kind of is. It kind of yeah. is, and there's no kind of um, – there's no, there's no music in most of these scenes. Not that it should have a lot of music, but it, I just watched it again for the you know thousandth time <laughs> two nights ago, and – it it made me focus so much on kind of the dialogue and just how just 
cut and dry it is. I mean, it's I can't imagine this took more than 48 hours to write. Right, um, right. You know, Stuart, nothing against Stuart Gibbs. Uh, I think he did a great job. Uh, but apparently he tried to write every detail of the fight scenes as well, and they just told him, like, don't bother yeah. with that. Just we'll take care of it. Like, um, like, do you know who Billy Blanks is? I know, right? And Ken McLeod actually does know martial arts. Go figure. And we uh, got this guy, James Liu, for a day. Yeah, no doubt. I forgot. You know what? I f totally forgot he was in this. But then when he showed up, I was like, oh, of course he's in this. Someone right. has to have a good fight scene and get their ass kicked. Yeah, yeah. Even though it was two on one. And I had uh, mentioned to Brain, I had mentioned the other henchman, hitman. Um, you, you did recognize him, though, Brain, didn't you? Yeah, Nick Hill. Uh, we talked about him. Chad, he was uh, the best friend of Michael Worth's character in Fist of Iron, and he's oh, done some other is, other movies. Is he well. the one that died? He's the one who dies. Okay, yeah. how about that? He has a character name in Showdown of James. Huh. Yeah, just James. Yeah, it's just James, whereas James Liu is Hitman. Right. <laughs> James and, Hit James and Hitman. Go take care of... Billy, the janitor. <laughs> James and the Hitman. What a good sitcom. I mean, seriously. You know what I like most about Tom at this point in the movie? And I think that's his... His uh, vest? His hair frizz. His hair gets oh, really frizzy. It's so good. It's amazing. Once he starts doing work on screen, his hair just goes ultimate frizz. Yeah. I mean, I think when... Going back to when Lee is really threatening him and he's beating him up. And then he does kind of that, that palm thrust and stops yes. right in front of his face. Tom's poofy, curly, <laughs> uh, quaffed kind of what, I don't know how else to describe it. It's just kind of hanging there. It really sells it. Yeah. Like it really sells it. He looks like a child with, you know, with the frizz like that. And, and I, I wonder if it's the, the Arizona heat, you know, that's a great point. Oh. Yeah. He reminds me a lot of Paul Satterfield, who was, uh, an actor at the same time who was in like creep show two in the raft segment. And he was also in arena arena. Yes. Doesn't he kind of remind you of Paul Satterfield? I really, I don't know why I thought these guys could be related. He does. He does. That's a good point. I, I would, I would concur with you, sir. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Just the blonde jockey lead kind of guy, but total heel here. But I agree. I mean, Tom is continuously the standout. He steals every scene that he's in. Um, and he can't beat the uh, Arizona frizz. And his style. He's got like a black turtleneck coming up. Um, I don't think we're – are we at the cinema scene yet? Where are we at? We see the Hell. assassin scene, like they try to take Billy out at the school theater, which I thought was a cool touch too. That was pretty neat. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like a school play set or something. Uh, I like that he goes down into what uh, what appeared to be kind of like the orchestra chamber or something down below. Yeah. Or maybe that's where they keep all the. I think that's where they keep the either the chairs or I don't know. It just it struck me as kind of like an orchestra chamber. You know what I mean? Like that lower yeah, area where they, where they the sit stage. below the stage. Yeah. Yeah. That was really weird. But I like the shot where he looks up and you see the chain drop. 
Right. And that was cool because, you know, <laughs> at first you don't know exactly what, you know, he, he's like running from these guys at one point, And then all of a sudden he's like in a room, like in, in like a shitty yeah. apartment. Like, oh, this has got to be a, like a fucking set. Yeah. And then, and then eventually the it zooms out. Yeah. I, thought, I mean, I thought that was pretty cool. Decent little fight scene, I thought, yeah. between the two of them. So, um, impressive use of the, the actors they had for the time that they had them. James and the Hitman. That's right. James and the Hitman, Tuesdays this fall on CBS. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we've got, while that's going on, Tom and Julie are at the movies. That's where we see that beautiful vest. Uh, it is like a work of art. I mean, it really yeah. is kind of an early 90s. Yeah. I don't know how to explain it. Uh, you know, it reminded me like Bobby Heenan and Mr. Perfect used to wear ties that had that yes. very similar pattern, yeah. like on primetime in the, what, 92? I think that's why I like Tom so much. There's a lot of that 92, 93 Mr. Perfect right. that he reminds me of. It's the kind of the curly hair, the black turtlenecks. Uh, he's perfect. I always thought he was like, he reminded me of like a younger uh Sam Jones, Sam J. Jones, like a okay, like he yeah. was like so blonde and like he had like the way he just kind of flaunted how cool he was. Oh yeah, like, he was like a very Flash Gordon esque dude to me. I agree, and that's why I really am considering hiring a private investigator to find Ken McLeod. Yes, I bet Brain I... Brain would help you fund that. He's like sixty something, I think now. I mean, he's. Uh... I would have to do the math to see how old he was when he shot Showdown. Showdown was like 92, 93. I don't know. 93, and he would have had to have been in his late 20s. <laughs> no, he was... he was 17. 30. So, I mean, he was born in 62. Oh, Lord. So, yeah, he was already 31 in 1992. My God. Yeah. <laughs> that is fun. No wonder he's so pissed. I mean, being <laughs> held back for like uh, over a decade. <laughs> Who wouldn't be well, pissed? Yeah, so at the at the theater, other than the vest, we see a breathing fire poster with Bolo on it. And a movie I had never heard of, but now I'm intrigued by Danger Zone 3, yeah. Steel Horse War. Ooh. Who's in that one? I don't know. Nobody of note for my quick research What's, on that it's it's funny though right with the bolo slight bolo cameo because he was originally i think originally attached to uh showdown in the role that uh is he gonna be lee i think he was gonna be lee and that the the yes Kate, that's right that's Kate, why they hired linda donna be, yeah that's why she got the spot because they knew obviously bolo wasn't going to be able to do all oh. the talking but then they ridiculous. went with Patrick Kilpatrick and kept her along anyway because she's I mean, sexy. They all they needed to do is watch Showdown to see how eloquent uh, Bolo is in the English language. I mean, shoot fighter. I'm mean, sorry, shoot fighter. Yes. yes. Also, with also uh, Ken Scott in a brief. He is, role. Yeah, he's one of the fighters in there. Yep. That's right. Oh. Um, and you know him and uh, him and Billy were old buddies from TC two thousand, same year. TC two thousand. Oh my god, <laughs> that was the same year, huh? Same year. 
Wow. Yeah, they were they were cranking these out back in the day. But like yeah. you said, this could not have taken too long to uh, to film and to conjure up. And well, they were able to say we still have a Bolo Young appearance in our film. It's just a millisecond in this cinema. Right as uh, Julie finally has it with Tom, she's she's fed up with him and bails on him. He's already he already bought the tickets. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's he's got to watch the movie now. Um, so yeah, she she ends up roasting marshmallows with Ken later that evening uh, after she calls him for a ride, which from a payphone in the seedy part of town. And why does she have his number? I, uh, I mean, he probably just gave it to her, and maybe it's in the yellow pages, you know. Very true. Yeah, they just then. fucking moved there. How the hell was it? Yellow pages were updated instantaneously. You know. <laughs> I'm guessing he slipped it to her, or she held on to it. He, he wanted to slip it to her. That's why he keeps maybe she talking call, to her even after he gets his ass kicked. Maybe she called information, you know, and said the yes. phone number to yeah to Mrs. Marks, the the right. Marks residency. And it's very She's possible the latest she, waitress in town. She could have known their address. It's a you know maybe she, they lived in a similar neighborhood. True. Yeah. You know? Although she struck me as having a bit more money. Than can even though I, I like that they didn't really play too much on the socioeconomic status of these characters. Although early right. on we see uh, Ken's mom coming in pre, you know, I guess probably what seven or eight in the morning before Ken goes off to his school, and she's just getting off work, so she's clearly right. done the uh, the graveyard shift as a waitress, stuffs yeah, which... the cookie jar with her tips. It, yeah, it's clear that they're having money troubles. You know, she's looking for a job and stuff. But uh, yeah, I'm, but you also got to wonder. You know, Tom's fighting for money. So what? Yeah, I mean, he's what no kind of situation that he grew up in. Yeah, you know? right, right. I'm, I'm. That's why I think the prequel is necessary, um, <laughs> especially now with the same actors. Just bring them back. It won't make much of a difference age wise, and we can see <laughs> where where Tom came from, you know, and how that lure of money clearly had its effect on him. So you want current Ken McLeod to play <laughs> Oh, Tom. yeah. Well, that <laughs> would only one. That would resolve getting a private investigator because you would know where he was. <laughs> My guess is he's, he's back in Minnesota somewhere. I'm not sure. One of, uh, one of the thousand lakes just in retirement. He's from Duluth, so... Well, I'm not sure, but it could be. I mean, he could be. I don't know if we could afford Billy Blanks at this point because he's probably just, you know, laying on piles of his Tybo money, isn't he? The most recent stuff I've seen, I know he got married recently in the last year or two and I think was living in Hong Kong or something. But then I also saw him teaching some uh, extremely religious guy, right? And, uh, I think he was teaching some some sort of aerobics or some sort of it wasn't Tai Bo, but it was some sort of fitness classes like in a park hmm. or something. Yeah, it was it was weird. But I know never he did a, a, thing a about he did a Geico commercial not too long ago. Yeah, you're really doing doing the Taibo gimmick. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. he's he's still around. Um And this would so, have been after his Lionheart cameo. Oh yes! Oh yeah! Absolutely. That was what ninety one. Ninety one. Yeah. Yep. Okay. After Lionheart, after King of the Kickboxers. 
Right, right, right. Obviously, because the poster was in this movie. So they should have had a Lionheart poster in here. Replace that China White poster. A lot of there's a lot of Van Damme connections here too with Patrick Kilpatrick. Oh yeah, mm -hmm. and James Liu. And James Liu a hundred times probably. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> the next day at school, we get Tom and Ken. Now you know Tom's been dumped. Ken's got the girl now. Uh, they're about to fight, but. Your girl Gina PL steps in. Oh. And is like, hey, you guys want to fight? Do it at the dojo. 8 fight like on men. Friday. Fight like men at the in the dojo. ring. Oh, Even I though there's no her. there's no ring. There's no freaking ring. They're fighting no. on mats. It's like pre. Well, UFC was around at this time. It was the early stages of UFC, I think, right where it was still interesting. You had like Ninja versus Sumo. And, yeah, yeah, those were the good old days. Which is funny, going back to Shoot Fighter, actually, there's a character at the end of Shoot Fighter named Skeeter who looks like uh, Magnum TA. And I can't remember <laughs> that actor's name, but he claims to have brought in the concept of the octagon. Like that's the guy who claims to have introduced really? that concept of the octagon. Yeah, because if you watch Shoot Fighter, at the end, uh, when they're bringing back the legends for the final kind of tournament, they're basically in an octagon, and that was all redone once that guy came on board. I wish I could remember his name, but apparently he ran underground fights in California and kind of brought that whole concept to the forefront of an octagon good old skeeter from shoot fighter so let's see let's see skeeter where the hell is this skeeter guy i'm looking at it now i know that uh shoot fighter came out in 93 right. which would be uh ufc one was in november of 93 yeah because he so. claims that ufc took the concept from him and never paid him it looks like release date of Shoe Fighter was in May of '93. So you know, you never, and you know, the idea of UFC had been around forever. You know, Pancrase overseas, right, right. guys who've been fighting in full contact fights for a long time. So that was nothing new. So they can take that idea. Why? Why wouldn't they steal something from Old Skeeter? I know, and it's a shame. He should have gotten more credit. And I wonder if this was before, or after Shoot Fighter for like the the Ken Scott. Uh, filmography. I'm wondering which one he did first. That's a good question. This premiered in September, so this came out later, but I'm not, it doesn't mean that it wasn't filmed before it. Yeah. Because he actually, he did um, some sort of PR trickery to get this role, I believe, as the lead in Showdown. Um, I know Brain knows that story. If he gets back on here, he could share. Do it. I? Do I know that story? I probably yeah. do it when yeah. I did my post. But what's uh, this is what Imperial Entertainment is who put out Showdown. Yes. Right, and so as it as I think if I remember correctly, Ken Scott, his roommate, he had his roommate put together. Oh yeah, make it like he had a yeah an agent and like an hey he played he played his agent, his manager, and his PR team, and they put together like a promotional package for ken scott and they and it's like there's clips of it on the behind the scenes and it looks like the training montage and no retreat no surrender because he's doing like push-ups uh, on a bench like in a park and pull-ups in the park and stuff it's not it's nothing fancy 
but he put together this uh, promotional package and they sent it to all the different production houses that were making martial arts movies at the time. And uh, Imperial Entertainment bit. They were like, we're very interested in this guy. <laughs> we, need to, we need to put together a compilation of, uh, of how some of these, you know, direct-to-video stars and stuff made, you know, got any, got any jobs whatsoever because Lauren Avedon just answered a phone. Yeah, he just happened to be in the right, yeah, right place at the right time. Yeah, yeah, that's a great, that's a great uh, story. I think that would be a good piece. Go ahead and get on that brain. Yo, of course. Uh, you talked about the training montage in his fake PR kit. We get the dueling training montages now between Ken and Tom as we prepare for it. It's happening. Fight night has arrived, and there is still no Billy though. Mm. Um, so Mike is kind of the surrogate manager coach and he's he's there trying to give ken the pep talk but he's no billy um and then once he sends ken off he talks to julie he's like this is a horrible idea but i called the police so they'll be here whenever he like made an appointment with the police which was <laughs> yeah, but he, he says he got the time wrong he's like i told him to be here around eight yeah or was it nine? Nine, nine yeah so apparently you could just make an appointment with the cops like yeah, show yeah. up. At the, I mean, like show up at this time because that's when hey, the bad stuff's gonna hey, be happening. I'm gonna tell you this from experience, okay? I've been on SWAT standby many times uh, as a you know as a medic and waiting sometimes for the SWAT to uh, to take people down or to to take down a house or something like that. They know what's gonna happen hours, days in advance sometimes. You know, because they're oh, watching, yeah. th- they're they're watching shit go down. And I've sat in, in a parking lot of a BP for four hours, waiting for them to wow. take down a dr- waiting for them to take down a drug house. So, I mean, it's not a hundred percent accurate, I'm sure, but you know, it's not it's not all that crazy. Well, we see that shot, I think, before this, where Spinelli and the police crew go and show up, but it's empty. They don't see anything, and they kind of just. Like, well, let's go, boys. Nothing here, you know. Bad intel. Yeah, but they do They do encounter a guy in the parking lot with Billy, right? Billy, and then they get shot at or something. That, yeah, that's that's what prompts the, I want Billy killed. Right. Yeah, that's, okay. that's right. The, yeah, that was before the, the that's right. That's right, that's right, that's right. So now we're here. We're at the main event, or so we think, because it's Ken versus Tom. Good back and forth between the two uh, until Tom starts playing dirty, gets a little ruthless. Big time. The crowd is turning on Tom real quick here. Um, and Lee is out there, of course. He just wants him to destroy. And the crowd just gets more and more boo, boo, boo. And uh, that's when it happens, Jack Cruz. He's back, baby. Billy's back. Ken pops his shirt off. That's right. Ju- Julie's panties get a little moist. I mean, there's a the lot two, of things They show happening. the two girls who are like, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. They're like giggling to each other. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you guys were talking about it before how they kept him covered up the whole movie. Yeah. So yeah. this was like the big reveal where he's like, <laughs> like single digit body fat. I mean, he's he's you know, shredded. He's, he's shredded he's for shredded. sure. Um, yeah, it's great. I, I have some questions real quick. Why? Why on earth? Are all these people booing Tom? He was clearly the favorite in the in the fight, and I'm assuming most of these people put money on Tom to win. So why would they boo him when he's winning? Why did the Russians turn on Ivan Drago? 
Did they gamble on? <laughs> did, were they gambling on that fight? I I would they, no, they were. I mean, they had to be. You mean the Drago fight or this fight? They were definitely gambling <laughs> on this fight. Yes, one hundred percent. I don't know if they're the most moralistic crowd either, because you try to That's make it true. seem <laughs> like Tom's fighting dirty. Because even his uh, doo-wop buddy is like, "Come on, Tom, fight fair." Yeah. It's like, when did this guy become Mr. Morals? <laughs> doo-wop buddy. What's funny is uh, old <laughs> I can't stand him. Johnny Travolta there. He yeah. <laughs> his his big moments in this in in any of these scenes is when he gets mad at Tom for beating his ass. Yeah. Like, Come on, man. We're just sparring. And then he's like, I've had enough. I'm sick of this. And then he's like, Get back here. Get back here. And then it's as if nothing. They're just he's his corner man again. Well, as you might expect, Ken is victorious. Lee, as you also might expect, is pissed that Tom lost. So he this goes is a after great Tom. Lee line, though. You kind of mentioned it. Where he's like, destroy him, my boy. Kill him. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, when he doesn't destroy and kill him, you can imagine Lee is pretty ticked off about it. Oh, yeah. Uh, but fortunately, the hero to the teenagers is there. Or the 31-year-olds. Billy intervenes, and now... We've gone from single main event to double main event. Man. Oh, yeah. And you even see Ken, Ken, Ken even tries to get a little shot in at Lee, but quickly, just no match for him. No, no. And so we get Lee choking out Billy with a belt, but that's still not enough. Billy hits the, you're not going to hurt any more kids, Lee. Yeah. And then when he does the knockout blow to Lee, Lee kind of turns to camera and pauses as he's like, ah, and it just takes like kind of the timber fall face down. It's great. Yeah. For some reason, it reminded me of the, uh, the, the, the final fight in, uh, no holds barred. Like it was very, Oh yeah. I don't know. There's just like the majesty of this fight. And I don't know. It just seemed so odd. <laughs> maybe, maybe he was watching Patrick Kilpatrick as like a karate master. <laughs> versus Billy Blanks. It just it's a strange way to end your movie. And he definitely fought very heel like. I mean he didn't do a lot of martial arts. He didn't he did a lot of uh you know, throwing into the guardrails and right. back yelling. punches to the back and yelling, yeah, and putting his hands up, uh very menacing. <laughs> you know, like he controlled the crowd. They were his children he's very success kind of, is control it really is <laughs> you it really is you know i think lee is one of the most underrated villains in martial arts cinema history sounds like another post for bulletproofaction.com hey very well baby. underrated villains in martial arts films oh yeah uh, but this hap this happy ending gets even happier because we get mike gets a little little shine because he stops kate from escaping uh, nobody at that point really even cared about Kate. Yeah, he knocks he her out with a kick to the elbow or something. Yeah, yeah, nothing. Yeah, nothing like a little male-on-female violence to right end in the movie. Right in the weenus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then we uh, Tom makes peace with Ken. Kind of. I mean, they do. He doesn't shake his hand. He shakes Billy's hand, and then they all want they all want to get trained with Billy. Right. As if we're supposed to be happy for. Johnny Doo-Wop and Chola. Here we go. <laughs> oh, I hate them. 
All right. Well, Spinelli's also got some work for Billy because he's like, hey, the police could use a self-defense trainer. I don't know why they don't have one pr- uh, now, but they're going <laughs> to get one in the form of Billy. And they, they missed one last thing. They didn't mention it, that now that Billy has all these jobs and titles that he has to take over – Ken's mom will be the new janitor. So I was going to say that was, yeah, she should have, if they really wanted this to be a happy ending, she should have shown up and been like, I just got hired. <laughs> the sex oh ed teacher. <laughs> He's got a, got a new dad and the vice principal. Yeah. Oh yeah. This man hired me. Yeah. So yeah, Ken kisses Julie. And, I did uh, like that. They did the, the big uh, kiss while his face is all bloody. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, very, very rocky. It's a hell of a kiss, yeah. too. They don't. It's not just the old closed mouth. Like, well, he's been waiting all movie. They're getting after it here. I like. My it. guess was she was still pretty, uh, you know, testing she's her wiles. Oh yeah, still low on the totem pole. <laughs> yeah, she's going for it. All right, gentlemen. PL, your final showdown thoughts. Underrated classic. The people who've seen it love it, except for my mom. She hated it. She did. <laughs> she was one who thought it was the cheap karate, karate kid. kid. Yeah, which they they acknowledge that themselves. They know they they know what they're doing. Self aware. Very self aware, and you know that it shows with the movie posters and yeah. I think um, absolutely fun film. I watched this. When it was out, I mean, it, they showed it on HBO or Showtime, just on rotation, and I loved it. I loved the lines. I loved the little moments. Um, it's shot in a very direct way. It's not trying to be something artistic in a way that doesn't work for the genre. It's a fun film. I would recommend it to anybody who's a fan of uh, the early 90s martial arts fair, which still, I think, is untouched to this day. It's just a very simple, formulaic form of storytelling with actual martial artists, uh, minimal to no special effects, and uh, just dastardly bad guys. Yeah, it was a magical t- The golden era of direct-to-video martial arts movies. Sure. <laughs> Absolutely wish we had more like that in today's world. Chad Cruz, any, any final thoughts? Yeah, I think Paul said it right on. It, it's really, the movie to me is about the bad guys, you know. We spend so much time with, uh, shit, we spend so much time with Kate even, who's not even like a good character. <laughs> I mean, I feel like there there's not that many characters in the movie, so we're just shooting back and forth to all these bad guys all the time. We're spending a lot of time with Tom and with Sensei, and it's just, uh, I mean, Ken isn't that great of a character, and I don't think Billy's that great of a character, but... We don't spend a lot of time with either one of those. We it's it's so <laughs> divvied up with all the bad guys. No, I mean there's there's yeah. two chunks of the movie where Billy disappears. Right. So that that's what makes the movie so good to me, and it's a, entertaining as hell. And this is one of those films that, you know, I've got an older brother that we we bonded over movies as a kid. You know, over the top and Showdown and stuff like this. Like there were there were films that if it was on, we were watching it. And this is one that you know we had on VHS, so we watched the hell out of this tape and. Yeah, it's it's a really fun movie. Now I'm I'm still kind of puzzled about the poster. I was looking at the poster earlier. Who the hell is on the poster? Is that is that Ken? It's definitely Scott? Ken. Yeah, Ken uh, Scott on the right and Ken Ken McLeod on the left. 
this looks like it's post their main event fight. They look strange in this poster. It doesn't look yeah. like either one of the hairs or the hair is off. Yeah, confusing. my guess is it's um, they sprayed them down um, on that one day when they shot all the fight scenes, apparently, and uh, said, hey, let's get some gallery photos for the cover. It feels like you got that promo shot done at some, you know, indie fed, and then they've been using that same one for seven years. <laughs> oh, that's the <laughs> and your worst. Hair lo- your hair looks different. And, well, and I and think the, the height, like they have Ken shorter almost than Ken McLeod shorter than yeah. Ken Scott on there. So it's like, yeah, they just kind of, you know, took some creative license for the, uh, for the cover there. But uh, I don't think I even recall. Do we see that jumping kick from billy to i I don't think so either no not that i remember and i don't know if i want to watch this again anytime too soon but uh, i probably will watch it again but i'll tell you what that whole love story back and forth was really getting on my nerves this last rewatch i remember you mentioning it. like you said chad it was like we just kept going to the same scene over and over it was almost like groundhog day right get on with it I think this is the most supersized edition of the Bulletproof Podcast we've ever done. So I'm going to just wrap things up. I want to thank you, Paul, for joining us. It's oh, been it's a long pleasure. time coming. Absolutely. We would love to have you back down the road. Same and, here. Uh, Chad, any, uh, anything else you want to say before we wrap this up? Yeah, big big thanks to PL. We've been uh, talking about this for a long time, and I'm glad we finally got to do it. And, you know, I'm sure you've got a list of films that you would like to to go over and uh we're always we're always open so we're i'm thinking shoot fighter might be on his list the invitation is there china o'brien china white jim cotta yeah yeah there's no shortage of movies undefeatable undefeatable i don't think i've seen that one (laughs) oh if you like bad guys oh baby you'll love undefeatable no, it's been a real pleasure, guys. I really, um, this isn't a film I can share with just anybody. Um, similar to Chad, my brother and I love this movie. Both my brothers, but you know, it's a one that I shared with my friends that were into martial arts cinema. And uh, it's apparently just not a movie you can watch with your folks. <laughs> <laughs> but she did love, my mom did love Over the Top, yes. which I showed her recently. And she. You know, and I convinced her it was a true story, which I try to do with every movie. I tried to tell her this was a true story also, but she was too bored and interested. Next time I'm going to try and convince her that Lionheart is a true story. Inspired by real events. Yeah. You know, she didn't think Kong Skull Island was a true story. <laughs> she saw through that one. I didn't think you wanted to watch that movie after about 30 minutes. Horrible. <laughs> Oh my God! I mean, Thank you so much for saying that. Just horrible. I mean, I, I try to think of the budget on Showdown, and I'm guessing less than a million. Um, you know, it's kind of like one of those films I feel that was possibly thrown together quickly, kind of like Kickboxer Four, and they figured, hey, we have access to this, this, this. We can get these guys. Can we start shooting this within a month or so? Yeah, let's go. That's that's kind of how I take it. And then you take these mega blockbusters that are hundreds of millions and they're just unwatchable. Is there a worse actress out there than Brie Larson? My uh, 
She is the modern day Linda Donna. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Burned. But she's, still, but she's still a one. Yeah. Uh, well, this has been a special one of the Bulletproof Podcast. Thanks again. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Of course, you're the most important part of this whole process, is those of you who are checking us out. And, I, you know, as I always say, Chad, what do I always say? Thanks for listening. And as always, stay tuned for more of the Bulletproof Podcast. Success is control. Control is success. You! You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 